Aalto University Podcast. These are skills that the doctoral student has to learn during their doctoral studies and that are not taught anywhere, um, except if you by yourself figure out some time management tips from from uh, the internet or or take some uh, training in time management. But then again, these trainings aren't specific to you and your situation. The best thing today. Podcast by Alta University psychologists. Today, Maria Tönroos and her special guest Maya Taka. Hi everyone. Welcome to The Best Thing Today, a podcast series by the Alta Psychologist. And it's again Maya Taka and me, Maria Tönroos, who are talking today with you about academic work and exhaustion. And it seems like academics don't have energy to manage time and also no time to manage energy. What do you think, Maya? I love the title of this episode and the dilemma describes it very well. I even state that this should be carefully considered as one of the learning objectives in the whole PhD education. As, for example, based on studies, If students witness supervisors with work-life imbalance and struggles and constant pressure, it usually discourages the students themselves to continue outside the academia. So the supervisors are kind of a a warning examples of unhealthy working habits. Mm, Absolutely. And based on our own research, the working habits you develop and learn during your PhD are actually the ones you also transfer to your future jobs So we better make them work well. Mm, What kind of transferable skills do we want to teach in university? And uh, according to research, about a third of doctoral students around the globe uh, have experienced exhaustion during their doctoral studies. And uh, I think that the, the percentage is about the same for the rest of the academic staff also. And too high. Too high, absolutely. But why do academics work too much? What are the root causes? Well, one is obviously academic freedom and autonomy to work whenever, wherever and how you please. And the fact that you are working only for yourself and for your own career, you are not working for someone else, Uh, if you shut down your computer at four every day, you don't know what you are missing in terms of uh, job opportunities for yourself in the future. And also fixed term funding is one root cause for working too much. So the fact that you don't have this long-term vision of having a career, a stable career, ability to uh, do this long-term research, focus, develop, and so on, but you have to do it in one year. And during uh, that one year that you are doing your actual work, you also have to apply for more funding. And that also takes up a lot of work hours. And then also as a supervisor, you have a lot of different pressures from the outside and perhaps also from, from yourself. Um, you have a lot of different responsibilities. 
you might be managing and supervising a lot of uh, students. You have uh, you have research you have to do. You have to uh, develop your research skills. Uh, you have to be able to be critical and creative and create new things and uh, apply for funding, uh, try to um, manage your research team, or, or at least if, if you don't have a research team yet, you have to try and, and plan a research team for the future. You have to do um, administrative work and so on and so forth. The the workload of an academic is really high and the responsibilities are very wide. The best thing today. The academic setting is is a bit problematic. There's loads of external pressure for constant success. The pressure is huge and it drives passionate researchers to actually give more than they can afford or more than they, they can actually invest. As mm. you mentioned, fixed term positions limited resources, people are expected to make grand solutions in uh, just two or three year projects. But I would also point at the institutional setting. And for example, in terms of doctoral education, the courses mandatory for the degree should be selected more carefully because they are supposed to support the thesis work. And additionally, universities should encourage for learning on new disciplines. So not just diving deeper, but also expanding your competencies, taking courses throughout the thesis process and not only within the first year of the PhD journey. Uh, the, the strong incentive for completing the studies as soon as possible actually increases working hours as first students hunt those credits from courses that are not the most relevant for their research, and then later they actually do a lot of learning and reading for the thesis itself. Yes, absolutely. That's a good point. And not only coursework, but also unreasonable tasks or tasks that aren't even related to their thesis work uh, is sometimes problematic for, for the students. They are being uh, asked to do things uh, for their professors or for their research team that doesn't uh, in, doesn't support their own thesis in any way. Mm. And according to a study uh, by Bramlage and and colleagues from this year, uh, the, it, the the title of the the study was was uh, quite fitting. It's when enough is enough modeling the path from unreasonable tasks to the intention to leave academia. And they actually showed that these are not isolated cases of uh, having unreasonable tasks during your doctoral studies. It's it's quite high. I think it was about 30% of the doctoral students in the study have had experienced uh, getting unreasonable tasks during their doctoral studies and this then influencing their motivation, their satisfaction, their well-being and also then ultimately their intention to leave academia altogether. So there are a lot of pressures coming from, from the outside on academics and especially on doctoral students on doing a lot of things that aren't related to their studies. So it's not a wonder that uh, doctoral students are feeling exhausted. 
Totally. And research-wise, the increasing interdisciplinarity and the rapid scientific development with combining new disciplines, making bold new uh, openings, means that researchers actually often need to invest more time and more resources than expected. And when you make new radical openings, the likelihood for failure is, of course, higher as well. So a lot of new kind of pressures there. Yeah, and sometimes researchers ask that why are, isn't it enough that they just do research? As we talked in the previous episode about supervisors needing to be unicorns, this applies here. So researchers have to be unicorns. They have to do a lot of different tasks while they just would like to focus on their research. Or then, as you mentioned, these uh, new radical openings. Obviously, it's important to have innovations and new openings, new research avenues and, and new ideas, but but then also focusing on, on the core research, on the, on the foundation uh, is, is important and sometimes for forgotten because a lot of emphasis is put on just uh, inventing, inventing new things for the sake of inventing new things. But don't forget yourself when doing research. Absolutely. That's important to not forget yourself. <laughs> Is it time to have a break? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, so the doctoral student and also um, almost all academics have a lot uh, of different um, expectations on them and a lot of different work tasks. Uh, that some might be related to their work and some might not. And uh, this kind of mismatch and this kind of heavy workload and and um, pressure on young scholars, especially to, to publish and to um, rapidly uh, wrap up your thesis and so on, this, this puts a very he heavy toll on young researchers. And, uh, and that's why so many are are feeling exhausted at the moment. But what could we do or what could um, researchers do, doctoral students do, research communities do to manage the workload and reduce exhaustion? And we've been discussing these time and energy management issues with two great scientists at Aalto in order to learn from their experiences. Katerina Soldano is an assistant professor in electronics and nanoengineering, and Elina Kähkönen works as a university lecturer and a program director at Aaltonaut, located in Aalto Design Factory. By the way, go and visit Design Factory if you haven't yet. What kind of best practices to manage yourself in academic work did Katerina and Elina have? Katerina started with a great point that there is no recipe to actually manage your time uh, in the academic work, but it comes in time with experience and in time you will know how much time you will have to take to a certain tasks and it becomes easier. This is true and this is a very important part of, of time management skills to understand how long it takes to complete a task and, and, and you can't know that right away. And sometimes that might cause you some pains, growing pains, so to say, when, when you think that, uh, that you're not 
just cut out to do do the task or you have no idea how to manage your time but it's not that it's just that it's difficult to know before you've had enough experience so katarina also said that it has taken a while for her to become somehow efficient and anyway not all the times and that's also important to remember that you can't always be efficient and you can't always manage your time efficiently and that's totally okay Um, especially with lab activities she says uncertainty and issues are always waiting but the more time you spend doing something the more efficient you become in it she also had a one great tip for us all so She's learned to recognize those days which she knows that she's not going to succeed or the days are just going to be full of total frustration and failure. So those are the days when she decides to spend the time doing something totally else, helping her to clear her mind and focusing on other things needed. So I think that's a great tip, not forcing yourself. Yes, that's that's excellent because... This is also about, it's not about managing time. You can't manage time. Time just, you know, goes forward. You you can't say stop, um, but you can manage your mind and you can manage your energy. So that is really important. But as we said in the, in the title of, of this episode, that academics often have little time to manage their energy and then sometimes also no energy to manage their time. Mm-hmm. And it's important to notice when... Uh, are your energy levels at the, 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 their best so that you can do tasks that require concentration? And when are they not? Then you can do things that are like small tasks, like answering emails and so on, handling, as we in Finnish call silpu. So handling those tasks then and uh, not get too frustrated about things not working some days. That's totally normal. The best thing today. A podcast by all the university psychologists. Another tip from Katarina was that not even worrying about doing perfect job or doing the things uh, highly efficiently. And I think that's one of the great points to keep in mind, especially in the academic world where there's a lot of perfectionists around. Absolutely. I think that's an important tip for, for doctoral students um, to, to remember not to, 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 you don't have to be a perfectionist. You don't have to know everything from the start. And also, as, as I said about not being a, a perfectionist, um, be flexible. You can have plans for, for your activities, um, but then be, be flexible and adjust them. So according to Katarina, you can have plans for your activities as a PhD student, but you have to remember also to be flexible at the same time and adjust depending on the situation. And this is also an important self-leadership skills to be able to be flexible and change your schedule and not get overwhelmed by your schedule and not be too rigid with it. And also give yourself time to really learn and understand things Because this is what matters at the end, is Katarina's uh, advice here. Elina Kähkönen from Design Factory mentioned that her strategy is based on daily routines. And I mentioned the hamster wheel in my earlier or in our earlier 
podcast and I just love hearing that someone else has a basis on daily routines as well. She tells that having routines actually saves saves energy and that energy can be used for some other things. Elin also highlights that it takes a whole lot of time and energy to change from one habit or routine to another one. Mm. And sometimes it might be that you just don't have the energy. And then then it's it's not about, you know, uh, puckering up and, and just doing it. It's it's about then recovering and resting and making sure that you you have that energy later on next week or or the week after that. And if, if the energy is totally lost, then you have to uh, ask for help and reach out to someone. Katarina and Elina both raise really important points. And I think that we have to have a separate time management podcast episode and also perhaps some separate stress management podcast <laughs> episode, because these are a lot of, uh, there are a lot of things uh, here today that we have talked about that relate to time management and a lot of things that relate to stress management also, or stress regulation, because Stress is, again, something that you can't actually manage, but you can learn how to regulate. Okay, moving on. Knowing that a PhD education is an introduction to the academic ways of working, what are the tips from Katarina and Elina to our doctoral students? Well, Katarina uh, says that... This is, as a PhD student, it's important to to acknowledge that this is the hardest thing you have done. But she also wants to stress that it's the hardest thing you've done so far. So not to belittle the PhD experience, but to remember that uh, it's good to acquire skills to manage your energy, your time, your stress levels, because there are definitely harder things up ahead on your path. She also highlights that we are individuals and PhD is about becoming more independent researcher, but everyone takes different amount of time for becoming more independent. So Katarina values the point of not comparing yourself with the others. She also points out that it's important to be flexible and open to learn new things. Don't be afraid to ask because it, it is about learning how to be become a researcher. And she also says that enjoy this time and have fun. And I think that's also good to hear because we have been talking about so many negative things today. But also remember that it, it is fun. Talking about emotions, Elena highlights that you will be married with your research question for years, so be sure that you love it. But make sure that you don't fall too deeply in love with it, so manage your resources and, and think about the PhD as a project which actually ends with the degree. So don't waste all your time and energy on it. Yes, you, you have to, as a PhD student, remember that obviously this topic and your thesis is important to you. And it's important to be interested in what you're writing about and doing research on. 
but also taking a step back and and uh, getting some distance and remembering that it's a job it's not your life and if you get feedback if you get criticism it is not about you and your self-worth and you as an individual it is about what you have written and 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 so on so loving it but not too much Elina also points that PhD studies are always independent, but they don't need to be solitary. So share your challenges and victories, be open and transparent with your colleagues and enjoy the team around you. The best thing today. Today, Marja Tönroos and Maija Taka. So what kind of tips do Katarina and Elina have for supervisors concerning the, the workload of doctoral students. Katariina highlights the value of feedback and communication. So even as a supervisor, she can underestimate how much time a certain task might take for a student. So being open, learning from experience and developing the practices and plans together is a, is an important tip. Yeah, and as we talked in the previous episode on supervision, about that the supervisor is also learning all the time. So even though you might have supervised a lot of students, each student is, is individual and each, each student's situation is individual. So every supervisor learns from every student. And you can never as a supervisor uh, assume that, oh, now I'm done. Now I don't have to learn anything. I'm the best supervisor there is, uh, like... Uh, so you you have to be open-minded also as a supervisor to learn. How do you think about this comment from Katarina? As a supervisor, she tries to help the students in prioritizing. And there's two examples of tasks. Those that needs to be done now and those that can be done maybe later on. Mm, that's good because these are skills that the doctoral student has to learn during their doctoral studies and that are not taught anywhere, um, except if you by yourself figure out some time management tips from from uh, the internet or, or take some uh, training in time management. But then again, these trainings aren't specific to you and your situation. So that the, if you, the supervisor can help you with these prioritizing things. That's really important and that's really good advice. And then lastly, Elina has a comment that the supervisors could help also the PhD students to find peer support and uh, find networks because the supervisor might not always be available and not, might not always have all the answers. Uh, so it's good also to network with other um, postdocs or senior academics, but also with other doctoral students to get advice, get support and tips from them. There's a lot of research on what are the values or benefits of moving and thinking beyond individual supervision, thinking about teamwork, working as teams, having peer mentoring and having a team of uh, support for doing the research. And in fact, these interdisciplinary teams are positively correlated with the number of publications, grants, instructed PhD students and other indicators are, that are highly valued in the academic setting. 
Hmm. So it would be important to focus on this also for the university. So in the beginning of this episode, we talked about exhaustion and and what kind of uh, factors contribute to the high workload of academics and doctoral students. And then we presented some solutions, uh, but we have obviously focused on the things that an individual can do to manage their time. But your use of time is not only in your own hands. It is determined also by your employer and by the academic culture as a whole. So therefore the time management shouldn't only be in in your corner or in the hands of, of the employee. But here the issue begins to be so large that we can't solve this with Maya here in this podcast. We tried our best. We tried our best <laughs> and we hope that these tips and advice that, that you have heard from Katarina and Elina and from me and Maya might help you to see yourself as a part of an academic community that all struggle to some extent with these same issues and all we can do is support each other and fight for a better academic culture. And I think that it would be good for us to have uh, our next podcast episode on time management tips. Looking forward to that. So you've been listening to The Best Thing Today with Maya Taka and Maria Törnrus, and I hope you've enjoyed our discussion. And uh, we want to thank you for listening. It's been a pleasure talking to you, Maya, again. Thank you. I think all this talk about time management motivates us to have a break now. Yes, let's take a break. All the University Podcasts.